Hey everyone, welcome back to the Parkies podcast. Um, I hope everyone's still staying safe out there, staying healthy, and staying positive through all this. We are in pursuit of better days here to come, and I just hope everyone can focus on that and focus on the happy thoughts. So with that, we have another episode today that I'm actually going to be splitting up into a two-part episode, mainly because the topic that we're talking about is music in the parks, and it's something that I'm very passionate about. And I had a few people in mind that I wanted to talk to this about, so in order to get their perspectives and get the full perspective and share experiences with each other, um, it'd be better off if I just split up into two episodes. So on part one today, I'm talking with my good buddy Eli, who I met in Glacier in 2018 through a mutual friend, Joe Koning, who I also had on this episode or this podcast earlier on. But um, we're going to be chatting about our shared musical experiences and also Eli's background, both in the parks and in music and what led us to us both making music in the parks and how that influences us today and also how we brought our musical influences to uh, where we were in the parks so he's going to be part one and then the following week i'll have a part two with someone else that i have lined up to chat about music and our shared experiences of music in the parks but uh, right now um, before we get started please just know that we had some audio issues and i do apologize for them Um, we actually had to start over after getting started on our original recording so we get straight into it right off the bat and also towards the end there's some lag between our conversation and our responses to each other but um i apologize for those just bear with us towards the end Uh, i can't thank you guys enough for um, still supporting the podcast and listening in and taking time out of your day to listen to us so i really hope you enjoy today's podcast and this little series uh part series that i'm doing so without further ado let's chat with my buddy eli All right, Eli, you there? Yeah, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can still hear you pretty well. Excellent. All right, so for everyone that's listening, this is our second stab at this. Just some minor audio issues that we had to switch over and get fixed. But uh, all right, so let's try this again, <laughs> Eli. <laughs> all right, I'll do a, another quick introduction for you guys. Uh, my name is Eli McFarland. Um, I grew up in Inglewood, Colorado for most of my life. And then at about 19 years old, um, I moved to my first seasonal job in Granby, Colorado at a uh, conference retreat center called um, the YMCA Snow Mountain Ranch. Um, It was an extremely impactful summer on my life, um, especially not only being my first seasonal job, but um, just as a whole lot of new experiences um, for myself. And um, meeting my girlfriend of four years now, also a pretty big deal, you know. Um, and uh, she actually ended up dragging me out to the Grand Canyon, um, which was the first national park that I've worked in um, in 2017. Um, I was not a big fan of the idea of going to the Grand Canyon at first, um, mostly due to the fact that I don't like the heat. Denver's summers were hot enough for me, and I did not like the idea of traveling to Grand Canyon, Arizona, where I imagined it would be a whole lot hotter. Turns out it's, it's, it's pretty close to Denver anyway. Um, ended up having an amazing summer there. I met Joe Koenig, who you've heard in the first episode of, the, of this podcast. Um, and we've remained like very close friends since. Um, then the following summer, 2018, I journeyed to 
Glacier National Park for the first time. I worked at Glacier Park Lodge um, and had a very intriguing experience there. Um, they're not actually located inside the park, but on the reservation. So I got to learn a lot about um, the natives there, um, their town of Browning, um, and the just like interesting place that they live. Um, and then finally, the following summer after that, the most recent one in 2019, I spent at Many Glacier Hotel living with the lovely host of this podcast, Dalton, um, as well as uh, Joe and our good friend Cody, um, who I'm sure both of them will be referenced a few times. Um, yeah, and that's kind of my intro into the parks. I kind of I, I, I jumped into the seasonal life myself, and then my girlfriend dragged me to the park. She's like, she worked at Yellowstone. Um, before she's like you you got to try out this lifestyle and I was like okay let's I guess I guess this is what we're doing now so here we go (laughs) (laughs) I mean like like I was saying it's just like getting a tattoo you start with one and then it's like I want more and then next thing you know you're just in the system of like jumping around parks and revisiting parks that you've already been to but you love so much that you can't get enough of them um but yeah, and that's, uh, you know, the summer of 2018 where we met. Um, I didn't get a chance to know you or, like, actually sit down and talk to you that much. It was mainly just a uh, mutual meeting of uh, of friends. Um, you were... Yeah, I actually, I, I found you, like, pretty weird at first. I, I actually really didn't know how to feel about you the first summer <laughs> I met you. I was like, is this guy, like, I, I, I don't know, just, like, my perception of you is so is so different than it is today after living with you. And such, you know, you seemed a lot more reserved to me at first. Like you didn't, you, like it, it was it was hard for you to interact with Ali and I. And it's so crazy now, me having lived with you and like knowing the actual person you are. I love you to death, Dalton. But yeah, first time, first time I met you, I was like, this guy's kind of funky. <laughs> <laughs> no, perfectly fair, man. I mean, that's it's like it's like marriage. You don't know how how you um how you're gonna feel with someone or. What, or whatnot until you actually live with them so definitely being stuck in a room with three other dudes four guys total um that's the that's the way to get to know someone <laughs> oh yeah more more than you want to yeah man <laughs> see it's um it's really cool to like just hear your your introduction into the parks um because that's another big thing is that uh, at least i feel that i noticed this trend with a lot of uh parkies or people that do work in the national parks is ski resorts and other resorts Um, especially in the winter, um, winter season, just to like, you know, hop between those different seasonal jobs. And, um, I, I've never been to snow mountain. Um, really I've never been to any ski resort in fact, but, uh, you said, you mentioned it was near, um, near Estes park, which I love Estes park. It's such a, such a beautiful place. Estes park. Yeah. Estes park is a good spot. Um, snow mountain ranch is actually a, uh, it's a Nordic skiing area. Um, they don't, they don't have any downhill skiing where I work now. I work in, um, in the winters, I go to Breckenridge, Colorado. I've been working on the mountain safety team for the last couple of years. One of the most loved positions on the whole mountain, um, totally not sarcastic at all. Um, and I'm working my way towards ski patrol, um, at the moment for my winners. Um, but yeah, it's Snow Mountain, Snow Mountain Ranch and Estes Park are both definitely places close to my heart. Uh, particularly Snow Mountain Ranch, just because of all the incredible experiences I had there, um, and it was a lot of firsts for me. I think 
Um, but Estes Park was cool because of the one AC&P conference I went to where we somehow managed to like talk maybe once that entire time, despite both of us being there. Yeah. I mean, that's where, that's where we were meeting our teams. That's where I first met Joe and, uh, and Jonathan. And then, so we, we must've crossed paths then. Yeah. Yeah, But, um, but yeah, (laughs) it's like, is, so I know you do have a ski background. So is that, tell us how you got into, um, like, like you're big on like this, like ski or wanting to get in the ski patrol or like, you know, being on the mountain, um, in that kind of role in general. So like, tell us how you got into, um, into skiing and like, you know, found out or like knew that you wanted to get into that kind of role, because I'm going to imagine like your skiing background kind of like influenced your, like where you wanted to go as far as a park or a seasonal job. Yeah, quite a bit. So growing up in Colorado, um, I was incredibly lucky to have the mountains and a bunch of ski areas only an hour and a half away, if that. Um, I was also incredibly lucky that uh, my parents were well off enough that they could take us skiing a few times a year. Uh, My dad, my brother, and I would go at least five to eight times a year, sometimes more, sometimes less. kind of changed year to year. Um, But I was incredibly fortunate that I got to do that since I was four years old. Um, And so that's kind of what sparked that whole like i i want to ski for a living that sounds like i I didn't know even that was a possibility until a few years ago it's like wait that's right people people actually work on the mountain and they get they get paid for it that sounds awesome um so that's what kind of jump-started me how i got into it was really i just applied um for the position i'm in um it's mountain safety and it's kind of like a step below ski patrol we don't do anything medical wise to patients, but we're out there looking out for people, making sure people get the help that they need. If they're injured, make sure ski patrol gets on scene. Or if they just need like a, like a little quick lesson, it's like, Hey, how, I, I got stuck on a blue run. I shouldn't be here. But if I like could figure how to out how to do this, I'll be fine getting down. And so that's kind of what we're up there for, you know, helping people out. Um, and we're, we're kind of like auxiliary ski patrol in a way um, we just don't do anything medical wise. Um, but, uh, oh man, I, I kind of lost my train of thought there. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry about that. Oh, no worries. Uh, but, uh, um, no, shoot. Well, why don't we, why don't we, um, we can come back to it, but like just overall as you're, um, like as you're going through these, um, like, is there any, was there training involved, like for like mountain safety, like any medical training? Cause I know, like you said, it's kind of a step below, um, ski patrol, but almost in a way is auxiliary ski patrol. Um, so like, was there like a pretty in-depth training process to get into that kind of a position? So for mountain safety, since we don't do a lot of medical mm, stuff at all, uh, we get trained in CPR and first aid, if you don't know it already. Um, but that's the extent of our medical training. Uh, you do have to pass a ski test. You have to be at least a level seven skier. I believe there's like eight or nine levels total. Um, so you have to be a pretty, pretty good skier, um, to get hired on in the position I am. However, there's a lot of different positions on the mountain that don't require skiing ability. Um, if you still want to work at a ski resort, 
Um, so that was kind of one way my upbringing also helped me out is I also knew how to ski proficiently. So I was kind of just able to apply online, had a quick over the phone interview with my boss and, um, took a quick ski test and uh, there I was thrown right into the thick of things. Yeah, man. That's awesome. That's, uh, you know, a lot of people don't get to experience like resorts in that way, which is awesome. Um, so, I mean, hopefully in the near future, you get to progress on up into that ski patrol role. Do you have like any, uh, like, like near future plans to do that or like kind of lighting that up? Yeah. Well, this year I was supposed to take, uh, I was supposed to try out again. Last year I tried out for ski patrol. Um, my skiing ability wasn't actually quite up to par. There was a few things in my form that I really needed to work on. Um, and so I didn't pass the ski test. Uh, but this year I was, I felt really confident and prepared to take it again. But unfortunately the COVID-19 uh, virus hit and uh, ski resorts in North America got closed down on March 14th and uh, therefore kind of canceled those tryouts. So um, my name is on the list uh, for them to consider me for hiring for ski patrol, um, which does go through quite an extensive training regimen. Um, they'll take you through an OEC course, which is outdoor emergency care, um, as well as just teaching you the ropes in general of being a ski patroller. They'll teach you a bunch of avalanche um, technician stuff, especially at Breckenridge, because um, we have a lot of high alpine terrain. So like above tree level, very steep. So a lot of avalanche risk at Breckenridge. So they're throwing bombs on top of the mountains every day, which is always fun to hear. Um so hopefully um, they'll consider me for a position next season. Um, otherwise, I still have plans to stay in Breckenridge, work as a mountain safety until um, I can be considered for ski patrol. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, I wish you luck on that, man. You've, you've kind of been at it for Thank you. the past couple of years. So, I mean, I think you're, at least in my mind, you're well-deserving of it, and I think you're on the right path to it. So, um, yeah, the thanks for I appreciate that. Thanks, yeah, yeah, man. Thanks for sharing your um, like your background as that on that. Just because uh, I know, like I said before, it's a com- I feel like it's a common trait between uh, parkies, you know, to go to a ski resort um, in the winter and the off season when like the uh, other some of the other like national parks or most of the national parks, if that aren't um, actually open in the until the summer or like springtime. So like those ski resorts are another good option um, for them to go to. So maybe like what's your background that you just gave that might inspire some people to kind of get into that um, kind of lifestyle in the winter. But um, so you went through, um, through your first ski resort as kind of your first um, introductory uh, season or your first taste of seasonal life. We'll call it that. Um, Met your girlfriend of four years, Allie, shout out to Allie. Um, I'll get you on a, a podcast here shortly here soon. Um, to hear what she has uh, has to share as far as her experiences and her side of, side of things. But, um, but, yeah, so you met Allie. She drug you out to the Grand Canyon, and you weren't so stoked about it, which I get that. I mean, I can't imagine being there in the summer. I mean, it was crazy enough during the winter for me when I was there. Uh, it's just a whole different ball game, I guess. But the actual – Yeah, it's not, not only the heat, but you just reminded me all the people there too because that's what most people visit. Man, it's it's a sea of selfie sticks on the rim, man. <laughs> yeah, selfie sticks on the rim and people on the rim taking selfies and you know putting themselves in in that kind of That's danger. Call them impromptu lightning rods. Yep, yep, exactly. But um, 
But yeah, you had your your summer in the Grand Canyon, then you came back to um, Breckenridge to work there, and then then Glacier 2018, your first summer in Glacier at uh, um, Glacier Park Lodge on the east side in East Glacier, which uh, one thing I love about East Glacier, for those who have been there, you'll know what I'm talking about, um, Serrano's, the Mexican restaurant right there yes. in town. Um, you know, we're, I mean, many Glacier, like that side of the park was an hour and a half drive away. And, you know, we would make it a point to drive out to East Glacier, one, to either see people that we knew over there, or two, just to go to Serrano's. Um, it's a great Mexican restaurant on the east side in uh, East Glacier Village. And if you do visit the park where you end up working in Glacier, um, I highly recommend that you go there to get some food. Um, and pictures of margaritas. That's important. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you need that, uh, that little bit of alcohol to get you off the spot and, <laughs> you know, kind of ease your, ease your mind a little bit. But, um, but, yeah, so you had a great summer in 2018 at East Glacier Park Lodge. Um, and then coming back again to Breckenridge for – the winter of 2018 into 2019 and then yeah then we come to you know kind of present day um or i'm gonna i feel like it's the present day because i feel like it all just happened yesterday um but yeah we come to 2019 in the summer uh in glacier where we got to live together and work together in many glacier hotel and um we became co-host for the many glacier hoot nanny which is the perhaps the biggest part of my like my heart there is like why I was so drawn to there and wanted to come back is because um, my summer of 2018, um, which you, for those who have listened before and listened to the previous podcast with Alyssa, uh, I touched based on what the Hoot Nanny was. But um, in case you missed it, the Hoot Nanny at Many Glacier is basically a um, a show put on by employees. It's been a longstanding tradition ever since um, Mr. Ian Tippett. Um, who was who was a legendary uh, manager um, at Many Glacier Hotel. Um, he passed away this year, unfortunately. Um, so rest in peace, Mr. Tippett. He leaves a long-standing legacy within the park and with Many Glacier specifically. But um, they used to hire uh, talented or you know musically inclined um, people um, for employees. And you know, for example, in the dining room, the waitresses and waiters would sing. Um, and dance a little bit during uh, certain times during uh, dinner and serving times. Um, and then also other employees would put on shows in the lobby. Uh, there used to be a room called the St. Moritz room, which uh, they used to have plays, musicals, and also musical performances um, down there. Um, and then kind of when uh, Mr. Tippett phased out um, of managing or being, uh, you know, kind of running the show there, um, I, I don't really know what happened to the Hoot Nanny in those years. Um, I know like before 2018, it kind of um, died out a little bit from what I've heard from other employees. But uh, 2018, we, it got brought back to life. Um, I was a part of a group of uh, three other people, um, some other occasional employees that joined that kind of brought it to life. And I had so much fun doing it. And uh, part of, like half the reason I came back in 2019 was to, make sure that show went on because I didn't know if anybody was going to come back to do it. Um, and then luckily I had you, Eli, to co-host with me and help me run the show. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of want to, definitely. I want to chat about that. Oh, go ahead. Chat about the, um, the experience we had together um, as far as like the music side of it and also like just the experience in general. 
it was definitely one of my favorite experiences at Medi Glacier and probably one of the experiences that I'll miss the most. I, I actually feel you a whole lot in regards to I was part of the reason I wanted to go back to Many Glacier Hotel this summer was because I was excited to run the Hootenanny. Um, you know, I've kind of wanted to take what, you know, you, you said you came back um, in 2019 so that there, there would be somebody to continue the Hootenanny. I kind of felt the same way. I want to continue it this year in 2020. Um, unfortunately, that's not going to work out uh, thanks to this Rona virus going around. Um, unfortunately, but it's, it's, it was definitely an impactful thing on my life, um, just in general. And as a musician in general, it, it, I had never really played in a hotel setting before. Um, I had, I had at Glacier Park Lodge, I had noodled around on my guitar once or twice, but I never had really any real equipment. I brought my amplifier, a looper pedal and such, and just kind of noodled around on my guitar um, but this was, this felt like a lot more real of an event to me and it, it was fun. It was a first in my life for me where I've gotten to do that and play music on like a weekly basis. And it's definitely, I, I loved it to death. Yeah. It's, it's just a big part of my heart. I know it's part of your heart now too. Um, like as, I mean, before we like get super into like the musical aspect, um, tell the people kind of your musical background. Um, you know, I know you went to, you went, not, <clears throat> excuse me, you went to school um, for audio engineering. Um, so, I mean, describe that a little bit and just kind of describe your, um, your journey into music and then how it all, we all led up to the Hootenanny. Yeah, well, my, my journey with music tech, technically starts all the way back in second grade when my mom tried to get me into piano lessons. I had expressed that. I wanted to play drums and she was like, not without learning basic music first. So you're going to learn piano was very much not interested in it. I was put in sports for many years of my life until finally in like seventh grade, I picked up the guitar and I started taking guitar lessons and I got really into it. And, you know, I had a band in high school and we'd play like small shows, small punk shows around Denver. Um, and uh, coming out of high school, I, I really you know, I was a pretty lost and confused kid. Um, and I was like, well, the only thing that interests me right now is music. And I want to learn all like the background stuff of this music. So I went to a community college in my area and I got a, an applied science of music audio technology associate's degree um, over the next few years there. Um, I had actually taken a semester off in 2000 at the beginning of 2016, the winter, when I went to Snow Mountain Ranch for the first time. So it took a little longer than it normally would have to get an associate's, um, but definitely learned a lot of valuable skills there. Um, I, I found out I wasn't too much into the live sound aspect of it. I worked with a couple production companies for a little while and found myself not really in, in enjoying the environment of, of live sound, but I found that I really enjoyed recording, working in a recording studio with a DAW and all the other equipment and such, um, figuring out just like where to put the microphones, which microphones to use. And there, there's so many different aspects that make it all so complex that fascinate me and still fascinate me to this day. Um, that, uh, yeah, really, really enjoyed recording. Um, and then I got a bit of um, actual music 
like musical experience as well. Learned a bit of music theory, did a little bit of playing and some recitals and stuff. Um, and that's kind of like my musical background knowledge there. I've played uh, a couple shows with some friends and almost bands in Denver throughout the last couple of years. And then most recently, um, this last winter, um, I finally decided that I should put my music under a name, like a project that since I work with so many people traveling to different parks and stuff like that, um, I decided I need kind of an all encompassing name. I didn't want to use my own name. I didn't want it to be like the, the, you know, just like have Eli McFarland on an, on an album cover or something that's, that's never been my gig. So I started the park project, um, which is now kind of the name I put my music under. And I, I feel like it's a name that allows me to collaborate with a lot of different musicians, um, or at least, you know, it, it meshes well with collaborating with a bunch of different musicians. Um, and so, yeah, here I am now, um, just kind of in quarantine, been working on a bit of music here, um, and, uh, you know, gearing up for the next possibilities of where I can play music next. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It was always um, one thing I enjoyed uh, being a musician myself, because um, for those that don't know, me, um, I'm also a guitar player. Um, we've been playing guitar ever since I was about about nine or ten years old. Um, I reached a brief stint in high school where I didn't play too much. And then um, I'd say within the last five years in general is where uh, I picked it back up again more frequently and to play. But um, um, having that musical ear is something that I enjoy. And it's music is something I have a passion for, which is why um, for people like me and Eli, that you know are passionate about music and it's a big part of their life you know the hoot nanny at many glacier hotel uh, was such a big deal for us um not only just from my perspective from ha being able to experience it um and bring it back to life in my first summer in glacier in 2018 but getting to carry on the tradition with eli um someone that i knew was going to um you know share share that passion with me and was going to stick by me. Uh, we would stick by each other for the remainder of the season to make sure it got carried on and we could play the best shows we could. And um, I think, I think we did a, a great job with it, despite, you know, some of the rough patches that we had. Cause we, uh, we, I mean, I know at the beginning of the season, I tried so hard to like find other musicians and announce and like, just, you know, say, Hey, this is when the hoot nanny is. Cause like people asked about it too. Like there are many returning, um, employees there that ask about it and like know what it is and they want to see it happen um and there's also other there's musicians in the parks um for those of you that are listening that may be musician yourself like you know if you have that musical ability i mean we encourage you like to cultivate that and like and do something with it because it's if it's a big part of your life um you deserve to to put it out there um but yeah i mean I mean, Eli, we had we had some struggles with the Hootenanny this year or this past year. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was really in intriguing to me as someone who's like enjoyed playing shows since I was a kid. No matter how embarrassing they were, I remember my very first concert. Um, me and my band sold enough tickets for this Battle of the Bands gig to have a seven p.m. spot at the Gothic Theater in Inglewood, Colorado which was a pretty big deal. Uh, but it was our very first concert outside of our friend's basement. And, oh, man, it was awful. <laughs> I, I look at videos of those now, just 
just laughed to myself, but I had such a fun time. I, you know, that exhilaration of just being on stage, getting into a song and not giving a crap about all the people looking at you, but just like really diving in with all your soul and your spirit. And when we would try to get all these different people to play with us, you know, they, they wouldn't want to, you know, we, we had, you know, certain people who were known for their musical, musical abilities for their amazing voice or whether they could play an instrument really well. And they never wanted to make the effort to come, you know, play for the hoot nanny. And it was so bizarre to me. Um, at the time, it definitely caused a bit of like a, a bit of frustration. Definitely halfway through the summer, we hit a point in the summer where we had to take a break for a week or so um, just because, you know, we we're, I mean, I remember getting pretty sick and tired of nobody wanting to participate with us. You know, this was a big thing that this hotel is known for. And like none of the other employees were interested in participating at all. We had plenty of people who liked to come watch, but nobody wanted to join us. Um, and so it was just us two normally, you know, other years, I think, you know, you'd at least have a couple more people to come, help set up all the equipment, um, get everything ready to go and, and things like that. And just like, you know, take time, you know, give yourself a break for other people to play so you can plan your next song or whatnot. Uh, and we just didn't have that. It was us two a whole lot of the summer. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, I definitely remember being, uh, both of us being frustrated on that. And, um, uh, I'm also coming the, from the perspective too, that in, I mean, with any, any park that you work in in general, you want to experience the park no matter what. Like, And obviously, Glacier is a prime area to place to hike. Um, and that's what that's what the employees do. They hike. They try to go summit mountains and, like, they're hanging with their friends. So, like, in a way, like, um, looking back on it now, you know, even though we didn't get people to play or, like, we thought people were interested to play with us, you know, they wanted to experience the park too. And, like, you know, you know what their days off were their days off and, um, so I can understand as to far, as far as, um, yeah, definitely. Like in hindsight, it makes a lot more sense. I think in the moment, you know, I, I could be a pretty emotional and sometimes disillusioned <laughs> person from time to time. And, uh, as anybody who knows me pretty well finds out pretty quickly. Um, and so like in hindsight, yeah, I definitely understand where a lot of people would come from. You know, they, you know, they got other stuff they want to do. For sure, especially in a place like Glacier. Yeah, like one thing you'd mentioned on too is that there's just there's so much hidden talent. Um, not only like what we experienced in Glacier, but in parks everywhere, there's hidden talent by dozens of of employees. Um, I remember specifically, um, there were there were a couple um, J one students, some foreign international students that, um that could play the piano to no end. And like, they would like play it in their off time um, with their friends hanging around or, or whatnot. And like, you would hear it from down the hall. Cause like, for those of you that don't know, there's six pianos in the many glacier hotel. So if you hear a piano playing, like, I mean, there's gotta be, there's bound to be someone that's talented on there. That's like, you know, ready to blow you away. And uh, we heard that quite a bit with some of the, um, the J one visa students, um, I can't remember her name specifically, but there was one girl, I think she worked in housekeeping specifically, but she, oh man, she just. Uh, yeah, I remember her. Yeah, she just wailed on that piano and it was beautiful, absolutely beautiful music. Um, and 
like like I'm saying, like that's the kind of hidden talent that's in these parks. Um, and yeah, Glacier is a place to it, let it out, um, or to show that talent with the the hoot nanny. Um, but I mean, even aside, like, even aside from Glacier specifically, because I'm obviously for those of you who have listened to the past two episodes and now this one, like we talk about it so much just because, I mean, it's, I went there two summers for a reason and I love it, but um, that's not to say like, you know, there's things like this going around um, at other national parks um, to be all inclusive. Like there are just so many talented people and opportunities for people to play music and show their talent at parks. Um, I also had the opportunity to do this in the grand Canyon. Uh, I was a part of a band for a little while Um some local musicians that are like they would play some of the local uh, hotels and like um, common areas and restaurants um, around the Grand Canyon village and even Tucson, which is the village outside of the South Rim. And um, we formed a band and the band's name was Juniper Hill. I remember that um, we were a four piece and like, we just played, we used to play like so many fun songs, um, like common songs that people know. We would play the Elsa bar hotel in the Grand Canyon play that lobby uh, frequently and uh, is that where that is that where that binder of music was for yeah that's where the uh, binder of music came from so i i want you to know dalton that i now have my own (laughs) binder of music um after playing at a pizza restaurant all this winter um i finally got on that train and gave myself my own binder of music to play yes yeah the binder um (laughs) it's <laughs> like just a, an amazing tool in any musician's arsenal rather than just having, you know, lyric sheets and chord sheets flying around all over the place that you can't organize. But, um, but, uh, for those who are listening, what yeah. we're talking about is, um, for the band that was playing in at the Grand Canyon, Juniper Hill, we had a whole binder of lyrics and music and chords and, um, for us to use. And that's what we used to, um, play our set list. Uh, we would make up different set lists every time. We we had the same songs we would play. We would occasionally learn new ones, but we generally stuck with the same list. Um, we would just change up the order sometimes, and um, it was a lot of fun. We had we had drums, we had guitar, two guitars, me on guitar, and then um, another guy, uh, Andy Andy Steele. He was on there as well, and then Audrey. She was our singer, and she had some pipes, man. I'll tell you what, like she could sing. And uh, she also played the flute um, very well, very talented musician. So just very um, talented people in general. And we all just came together forming this band. And um, I had so much fun with it in the Canyon. And uh, that got me pumped to co- come back to Glacier in 2019 to do the Hootenanny. Cause now I had all these songs I could play and um, could use. And I know you, like, I know you um, wanted to jump in on some of the songs that I had in there. And um, yeah, that was the, um, Oh yeah. That was like that was the Monday night ritual. It was the Many Glacier Hoot Nanny at six thirty in the hotel lobby. Um, you know, us trying to find new songs to play, which was always fun. Uh, we played a couple, one or two songs together that we uh, learned together, um, which I really enjoyed. I th- yeah, I think actually besides the main theme song for the Many Glacier Hotel, also known as. Uh, a remix of Country Roads, known as Bumpy Roads. I think the only song we played together was "You Were Beautiful," right? By uh, I'm, I'm forgetting the artist title, man. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. It was uh, "You're Beautiful." I think it's 
I think the original artist is James Blunt, but I yeah. Um, like the the version we did is from a uh, a different like artist um, called Boyce Avenue. Um, that's wow, that explains a lot. I've tried to recreate the song exactly how we did it, and I listened to the James Blunt version. I've been so confused this entire time. I was like, this is not the same as what we were playing. <laughs> that okay, Boyce Avenue. That's, that's yeah. It's that's it's because we played it in a different key. <laughs> that's why. Oh, gotcha. That um, makes a lot of sense. But yeah. Um... Yeah, go, going back to what you said, the uh, the Many Glacier theme song, um, Bumpy Roads. Um, if you, oh, my, yeah, my heart. oh man, I, I don't even I don't listen to Country Roads by John Denver the same ever, just because. Um, <laughs> no, it's just yeah, it's it was an employee years ago that uh, made up those lyrics for, like that song is like you know dedication to Many Glacier and. Um, that was our closing song every night. Um, Eli and I would go at it. Um, I loved it when you did you noodled on your electric guitar for that song because I was able to just do the the rhythm, and you and your epic abilities on the guitar to solo and improv, like you would just go at it with like solos and melodies, which was super awesome to hear. Um, which actually like you know kind of inspired me a little bit because I wanted to. Um, learn more like that and learn to play like that. Cause I was never super, super proficient at guitar or I haven't been in the past few years, but uh, like watching you play um, was always a delight. Cause you um, like, you just knew how to play and like where, where to improv and challenge yourself. And you even wrote um, a really awesome song with your electric guitar that um, I loved. And I know a lot of other people loved. That will be eventually recorded. I actually just bought uh, the Ableton Live software, which has a really good looping mechanism for it. It's part of the reason I hadn't recorded it earlier this season. I meant to. It was supposed to be done and recorded by December. Um, but I, you know, I'm, I'm still learning a whole lot about recording. You know, despite going to school, I learned a lot of book knowledge about it. But frankly, I've had very little actual life experience with it. Um, I've never, you know, full on worked in a recording studio. I've only just done projects there and things like that and just, you know, messed around in my own home with it. Um, and so with the software I got just a couple of days ago, um, it's actually a project for the next couple of weeks while I look for a new job um, to record that song. So y'all who, um, for those of you who are at the Many Glacier Hotel, which I know a lot of you um, are probably listening to this, do be on the lookout for a recording of I Will Be Near um, in the next few weeks. Yeah, I can't wait to hear like a like a recorded version of that because it was a great song. Um, and like speaking of like, you know, how you, how you wrote that song, because I mean, I know what it's about. Um, but like this, I mean, you don't have to say what it's about if you don't want to. But um, on this like same subject, like how have park experiences like influenced your music? Um, like just being in these parks, um that you've worked in and resorts too, like how has that influenced your music um, aside from the park project too? Cause I know that's like kind of influenced there, but what other ways have your park experiences influenced your music? Um, it's, it's been really intriguing. It's, it's been both positive and negative because I've noticed while living in the parks, I find myself, wanting to be busy with a lot of other things besides just writing music you know especially with glacier there's so much hiking to do 
There was the employee pub that after work, especially since I was working in the restaurant, I'd either be off in the middle of the day or at late at night. Um, and sometimes both. Thank you, <laughs> breakfast dinner shifts. Yeehaw. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I just I, I wouldn't want to spend time practicing and writing songs. I'd want to spend time outside hiking, exploring the park. Um, the same went for the Grand Canyon or hanging out with my coworkers, you know, trying to develop deeper relationships with them. Um, and obviously there's ways those things can coincide, but I found with me, you know, I, I could be a very focused person and not much of a multitasker. And, and so, you know, sometimes it would actually draw me away from music, but then other times like I wrote, I will be near, you know, I was like, man, I really want to write something. I don't know what I want to write. Um, and I, I don't want to do it in my dorm room right now, you know, despite the, you know, our looking out our window, we had an, we had, we had a pretty decent view, but you know, not, not the best. And our, our room didn't get that much sunlight. So it was pretty dark a lot of the time. And so I, I went down to the lobby of the many glacier hotel and just found a corner, sat in the corner. Um, and it was while a bunch of clouds were rolling by and I kind of just like studied the clouds. I studied the area around me and I just tried to like imbue the nature that I saw and that I felt, um, into the songs and it's inspired me in the future. I want to get like a portable recording device. I don't have one yet. Um, and, uh, I was actually shown another podcast by Allie recently um, about field recording and recording just like sounds of nature and those getting used in like movies or video games and things like that. And just, you know, audio recording in general. And I'd love to mix those actual sounds of nature into, um, uh, like my music recording. Um, in one of the last years I was in, I was doing my degree, I was in the second class of computer music applications where it's basically a class about learning how to use different types of music software um, for audio production. And I was using, we were learning Ableton at the time. And I made a, this is, um, I believe, after my experience at the Grand Canyon. This was one of my final semesters and it was after my experience at the Grand Canyon. And I wrote this song um, for a project called Come Outside, It's Raining. And I just found some, like, loops of uh, some, like, rain and thunder sounds on um, YouTube and kind of added those into my music. And while those kind of things aren't, like, specific for people who love the outdoors and who love nature and for parkies and stuff, definitely, like, my experience, like, my love of nature with it having grown since my experience in the national parks – now I want to implement that more into my music. You know, I want to make an album like, you know, with songs trying to, you know, almost be descriptive of all the seasons or the places I'm going. Um, and uh, I felt like I, I will be near specifically. Now that ended up, I, I kind of accidentally wrote it about <laughs> my girlfriend. Um, I kind of, it's, it's, it's funny. Like I ended up, I write I wrote out the lyrics um, and I was like, wow, these are pretty sappy and cheesy, which is pretty normal for myself. Um, and I was like, oh, because uh, my girlfriend and I, we were split up at the time. She stayed back home in Iowa to train for a marathon, um, which she did in the fall. You can't, it's hard to train for a marathon in Glacier. There's, you know, like a lot of bears and wildlife and such and kind of dangerous right, to be running around the park, to be honest. Um, but uh, so we were apart at the time. And I, I kind of ended up writing a song about her, but I also felt like there were like these like really natural elements about the song, um, you know, 
my MO in general when it comes to music because I love mellow, chill, relaxing music. I guess easy listening, you could say almost. Um, and uh, so I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I try to put um, that love of nature into my music, I, I suppose. I actually want to see if I can't get some like naturey sounds when I do this recording of I Will Be Near or something like that. I remember one of the lyrics I wrote was, um, and as the clouds roll over the mountains, um, and I just, I, I mean, it's, it's so simple and basic. It's so silly almost to think about it, but I was literally watching these really low hanging clouds roll and just glide over one of the lower parts of the, like the foothills of these massive mountains that are many glacier. Um, and it's, and, and then the sun came out and I was like, um, uh, and then the, I don't, I don't know. I wrote some lyric about the, the sun coming out to reveal the light on our situation. It's like, I literally just wrote down what I was watching happening outside and it turned into a really beautiful song. So I guess that's, that's kind of how, you know, the parks and nature has affected my writing process. I just kind of like to imbue with my music, like what I'm seeing and feeling and thinking when I'm outside. Yeah, man, that's a, that's such a great description. Um, I mean, definitely. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I mean, so, I mean, to touch on, like, the writing aspect, it's um, it's definitely hard, I'd say, to write. Um, I know I'm a picky writer with music. I've only written a handful, less than a handful of songs that I'm actually, like, comfortable with. Um, but you're so right. Like, there's there's so much going on in your surroundings in these parks that's, you know, magnified. And not just from nature, but just, like, the experience that you're having in that time in your life. Um, that's that's like my element that I focus on um, like in some of the songs I've written is just like like the way I'm feeling and the experience that I'm having and like what the um, experience means to me and like different aspects of that that I can use to write about in a song um, like I know one song that I wrote um, over this past summer in 2019 um, I really enjoy playing and I was uh, actually really happy of um, I call it, the song is called Wild Heart, and I basically just wrote that about, yeah, yes, yes, great song. Yeah, I would come lo- record I would love it to get a recording of that. Continue. I would love to do that because <laughs> I have like, and like I have, I have a sound in my mind of like how I want it to go. But um, but yeah, like I remember the first time I heard you and Jonathan play that together, it almost made me it, it made me tear up a little <laughs> bit, and I I I love that you were playing it because like. You, you didn't want to play it at first. You, you, you know, you, you weren't impressed with the song or something like that. And then you finally played it and like the, the crowd went wild for it. I'm sorry to interrupt you like that, but I just want to put another shout out for that song. It's every time I just hear the song, hear the name of the song, it brings a smile to my face because I personally oh, I love it so that, much. Yeah. But sorry to, no, sorry to interrupt you like that. that. I mean, it was, um, yeah, like, starting out playing it like I, i'm just i'm my own worst critic and like when i write songs like i said i'm super picky so i'm kind of just like eh, i'm not it sounds cheesy and blah 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 but like as i got more used to it and like i i super enjoyed it and the song was like i called it wild heart just because like i wrote the song um after like all of us parkies all of us um all of us people employees that are like jumping around these parks you know on these adventures like we're wild at heart just looking for the next adventure and trying to like have the time of our life. And 
we that's that's what I used to like to write about, and um, it's definitely like one of the more like prouder songs that I'm like I'm really happy about and glad I wrote it. And um, yeah, and you mentioned too, like um, I love having Jonathan uh, there. Our other friend Jonathan, he uh, he's a drummer, um, and he had his cajon, which is basically a, a sit on box drum. For those of you that don't know, um, and I asked him to like put down a beat to it and like he the first like rendition that he gave me it was like was perfect and i asked him if he'd be willing to play that with me um during a hootenanny and like we we combined it we um did it together and it just sounded so amazing like much better than what i thought it was going to sound like and I, that's why i love playing it so much um but uh there was also another song that i wrote um specifically about glacier um that I'm still like, I still feel like it's kind of cheesy, but the employees like there that, that they get a chance to hear it and like watch me play it, like complimented me like to no end on it. Cause it was so personal. And so like, I feel like I choked up at that one too. Was, was I, I'm, I'm having troubles remembering how this song sounds. So this means you uh, have to I, play yeah, it for me that. again sometime. I do that. Um, but, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a song specifically about glacier. Um, I titled it, I left my heart in the mountains um, just because it's so fitting. And um, I remember when I wrote it, I was super emotional sitting in the uh, Lucerne room at Benny Glacier hotel. And I wrote it and um, it all just spilled, like my emotions just spilled out on the page. And I played it for the first time. Like people were coming out to me. Like, it's like, I saw people crying. I'm like, I didn't see anybody cry. Like, but I guess that's a good thing. Um. Yeah, well, I mean, you talked about the cheese factor of some of your songs, Dalton, and I think that's one kind of special things about the parks. I think in a lot of venues in city settings, you know, people, especially like clubs and stuff like that, people are looking for something to get hyped to, you know, people want to dance, they want to mosh or, you know, whatever else. But in the, uh, the parks, it's a really intriguing space. Because people, I don't know, they're, they're already experiencing this amazing place. They're already a bit more open to a, a, an interesting musical ad- adventure. They want something that complements the, the amazing sights and nature that they've seen. And that's where like the cheesy music that, frankly, you and I play, because we love the cheesy music. We love that emotional aspect to our songs. We love getting into them. We love having that emotional, almost heart jerk sometimes. And I think the parks is a perfect place to play those kinds of music because it complements the grandiose like nature of of the of the nature that you're surrounded in, you know. Um, yeah, I, I think I think that cheesiness complements the parks so well, and it's that's I don't know that's a thought I I haven't even thought about it until just now. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's it. a great point. It's it's special to that park and what like you know we, what we think is cheesy, like it's just. Um, it can mean it just because it means a lot and it's like we there's some feeling in there that we have and it's we're just really particular and picky about it but um i mean the employees like when like people heard me play it like they absolutely loved it and um i i never i only i never played it the entire uh season last summer um until the last hoot nanny because i figured because like for that reason it was like you know it's 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 cheesy like i i don't want to play it too much but um then like the last two and I played it and like 
I remember specifically, like, I was already feeling emotional, like, towards the end of the song, but, like, after I finished, like, here I am at a bunch of, like, I don't know, like, 50-plus people watching, or however big the crowd was, and I just started crying, because I was, like, so emotional about it. Oh, man, you cried. You cried, and it was, it was beautiful, man. It really was. It, it, I, I think you almost made me cry. You, you came very close to it. I had choked up a little bit. And I mean, that's re- very reminiscent of the very first Hoot Nanny I ever played, Dalton, um, which was actually in 2018 when I was working at Glacier Park Lodge. You guys invited me to the very last Hoot Nanny you all played. Um, I played a song which I feel very similarly about, you know. Um, I also think it's cheesy. I wrote it when, before I had done any seasonal work, and it ended up being the perfect song for seasonal work. It was called We Don't Have the Time. And it's kind of about how you know, uh, we can stop worrying about, uh, we don't have the time to worry about all the things that worry us, you know, and just to kick back and experience life as it is. And if that's not the Parky's mindset, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what else is, you know? And, and it's just, it's, I, I mentioned that because the way you're describing how your song went reminds me of so much of mine as well. Um, you know, some dude approached me after that hoot nanny. He was like this 50 year old plus dude, and the dude was bawling his eyes out. He's like, "Thank you so much for hearing that song. I needed to hear." It. I was like, "What? I, I I don't know how to respond to this." And it's I kind of feel like the the same thing went for you. Correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, just that that emotional experience of just being in a park and hearing that beautiful music having it all just like relate so closely to you. It's a lot different than a normal concert setting. I feel like at least the concert yeah, that I've been it's to. It's a totally different setting. And um, for those that are listening, like I'm sure by now, like if you're not like as in the music as me and Eli are, and like, you're just kind of getting this for entertainment, you know, it might just sound like we're rambling on about like music and our experiences, but like overall, yeah, I mean, we are, we definitely are. I mean, we are. That's, that's what I love about it. <laughs> there's so much we can cover on this and the experiences that we've had. But I mean, overall, like the point we're trying to get at as far as like music in the parks is that like, it's, it's a passion for me and Eli. It's something that has shaped and molded, molded us. Um, our music has shaped um, like uh, is shaped by the parks. And, you know, we were in a place that we were able to um, display our music and display a uh, song and, you know, put on a show for people and I just, I know, and I'm talking about this because I know there are plenty, there are so many parkies out there that definitely have like a hidden talent, even if it's not musical talent, um, just a hidden talent in general um, that, you know, I'm sure in some way, shape or form has been influenced by their experience in the parks or they've used it um, to display like, you know, their passion. And that's how like music is for me and Eli from our perspective in the parks, um, just getting to play music in these places and have it influence us as we, you know, get to influence others. Um, and, you know, like I said, we've written songs, we've played, you know, well-known songs um, in these, in, in Glacier during the Hootenanny. We played uh, a few like of the same songs. Uh, I always opened with uh, Ho Hey by Lumineers because people loved that one. I thought it was a great opening song. So I always stuck with it. And then you had some songs. Oh, I thought it was just because Alyssa was <laughs> yeah, threatened to fire yeah, that's you. My, my manager was like, if you don't play this song at the beginning to start the Hootenanny, I'll fire you. And I was like, oh, okay. Sounds good. 
Um, <laughs> right, yeah. I guess we'll do this the whole season. And I always open with uh, Down in the Valley by the Head and the Heart, which, I mean, like, if those guys didn't work in a park before, that's just insane. I feel like those guys perfectly encapsulate, like, I don't know, this, this, I don't know, this almost parky's lifestyle sometimes, especially mm-hmm. with their song Rivers and Roads, which, of course, we've gotten. If you know that song, you know yep. that's a heartbreaker. As soon as that first like few chords are scrubbed, you're like, "Oh man, get get ready, get your emotions ready," because you're yeah, about to cry. A, I was just about to say the same thing. Like if you're, like, if you want to make any parky cry, you play that song, and I guarantee you, like, there will be tears flowing out the gates. It's just like, yeah, you're right. They must the the head and the heart, the band that wrote that song. Um, they must have worked in the park or experienced it somewhere or another, just because. Like, they got it right, and um, I always loved playing that towards the end of the season just because, like, you know, we play that because there are people leaving. The season's drawing to a close. We're not, we may not see people um, for quite some time, or, like, in the case of the international students, like, we may never see them again. Um, so, like, the song, Rivers and Roads, Rivers Till I Meet You, um, it's just, like, the lyrics, the message of it is just, you know, it screams seasonal life just because you're in this place, you experience things, you experience places, get to meet wonderful people and build relationships. And then before you know, it, it's all gone. It's all over. And you don't know when you're going to see people again. So um, it's songs like that um, that like remind us of that aspect of park life. Um, and like you, like you said, still to this day, when it comes on and on like, you know, my Spotify, like there I am just like reminiscing um about glacier and playing the hoot nanny and there are some other songs that and emotionally yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> kind of like a to kind of finish up on the music aspect before we get into like some a little bit of story uh story time with the time we have left um for like i said we're kind of speaking to um people that you know may have some musical uh, talents or you know maybe looking to bring their music with them on the road or what have you, if you're like musically influenced while you're working in the parks. Um, I, I mean, Eli, what would you, what advice would you give to fellow parkies for those who are, you know, in the music realm and know music and are like looking to either, you know, write their own stuff or like, you know, trying to find influence in the places that they're in while working in the parks. What kind of advice would you give to those who are, um, like, you know, making music in these places. Definitely be intentional about your practice time. Um, it could be really hard to find practice time, especially like, you know, if you're even a little bit extroverted, I'm mostly for the most part, an introvert, although I had a big extrovert streak come out over this last summer, but you know, with all the people you meet with how much you're working with all the different things you want to do in the park, it could be really easy to forget to practice and forget to dive into it. So uh, the biggest thing I would say is be intentional about your practice time. Um, And secondly, just like remind yourself that like, especially if you've got a situation like the Hootenanny, if you have a chance to play and, you know, especially if it's your like your own music and you're embarrassed to play it, like I have been like Dalton, you've mentioned you have been because it's too cheesy or something. Remember, like that's that's the perfect place to let your heart out. That is, I I don't think you're gonna find a better place in the city or something. You know, maybe a little tea shop or something like that. That's you know more geared towards 
you know, more alternative styles of music, but, um, you know, it's, it, especially if you like to play music where you just let your heart out in one way or another, that's, it's, it's going to be the most perfect place to, for people to appreciate that, that kind of music and to appreciate your soul in music, you know, um, if there's anything else, you know, just don't be scared to put yourself out there. I, I suppose, you know, my first season in Glacier, I had a lot of opportunities to play in the hotel and I, I psyched myself out of it most of the season. I only played once and I just noodled around with my guitar and loop pedal for a little bit. And frankly, I, I wish I had, I wish I had done more. I had the opportunity to play in the restaurants while dinner was going on. I had the opportunity to play in, in the hotel just during the days in between my breakfast and dinner shifts. Um, and I didn't, I, I didn't take it up on that. I felt like I was not good enough yet. I felt like I needed to get better at certain aspects of my instruments. And to an extent I kind of did, but I, I wish I had just dived into it and put myself out there. Even if it would have been embarrassing, it would have been good experience for me to figure out what it's like playing in a hotel or a restaurant or things like that. Um, and yeah, just don't be afraid to put yourself out there and even make a fool of yourself. It's most of the people you'll play for in a national park. You're never going to see again. They're going to visit once in their life. And if you run into them again, you're not going to recognize them. I guarantee it. Um, and I guess, I guess my final word of advice is definitely just spend some time outside with your instrument or your journal or whatnot, you know, just like find a nice quiet place to sit and like meditate or, and, and write and things like that. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's all, that's what I got for you there. Yeah, I mean, no, I but it's all, it's all lifestyle. You I mean you touched on like you know practice time, um, the influence, and like the only thing I would really add to like all of that is like you know, be aware of your surroundings and what you're feeling, um, and just use like everything around you to channel into what you're feeling and use that to like influence like your writing. Um, I know for me, like when I'm writing, when I wrote lyrics or I am writing lyrics, um, I want it to be genuine. I want it to be how I feel, but I also want it to be, you know, in a way other people can understand. Um, and like, that's frustrating when like, it doesn't come out the way you want it to, but like, that's okay. You know, the part of the, part of the songwriting process is to, you know, draft, you know, draft after draft if you need to and revise and like, there are songs that I've written where like the lyrics come to me and, you know, I'm, I only have to make a couple of changes. Um, other times there are like songs I've written where I have to, you know, really rework like the lyrics just so like it sounds right. And it fits with the structure of the song and like it fits in the right key. There, there's so many factors that go into it, but don't worry about that right off the bat. Let it come to you naturally experiment with different sounds and, you know, like you said, practice time is, is great. Um, make time for it. If you're living in a dorm with five, four other people, you know, it's hard to find uh, time on your own. So if you can get outside or find an auxiliary place for you to practice and like just be by yourself and write or journal, uh, write down lyrics or what have you, you know, find it and, you know, go to it when you need to. Um, and I'd also say, like, don't don't force yourself to write anything, you know. Yes, I was I was going to mention yeah, that like myself, don't, actually. Don't force it. Good, you know, go let ahead. It, let it be natural. Let it come naturally to you. Um, I, there are t plenty of times where I've sat down to try and write a song, 
and I was forcing it way too much. And either I couldn't find the sound that I wanted or the song just sounded like crap. And maybe I would come back and revisit it later. But ultimately, the songs that I've written have been truly how I felt. And I was able to naturally interpret myself and then, you know, just play around. And then once I found something I liked to experiment more and more and just let it all flow. So do not be concerned with trying to write something. Um, if you're doing it for fun, you know, let the fun take over. That's that's the whole point of it. Um, so, like, that's what I would add on to that. And I really hope that, you know, for those who are listening, that are musicians or have, like, some form of talent that they um, have in the parks and can display in the parks or they're passionate about, you know, while you're working in in these places, use your surroundings, use the park experience as a way to shape you and influence you in your talent, in your music or what have you. And let that be a part of who you are, because that's going to add to your overall experience in your time in these parks. Um, Because that's what it's done for me and Eli. And I know that's what it's done for a lot of other people um out there and a lot of other parkies out there that have experienced the same things we have yeah man i love all uh, that dalton i mean it's just like i said i know it's for those listening it probably sounds like we've rambled on about music but i mean that's that's the overall goal with this podcast we're just we just share experiences and um this is a big experience um that captivated me from the moment um I had my first, you know, park experiences and that time of my life. And um, it's just something that we share. So um, with the last remaining, go for it. You know, speaking of, I was going to say, speaking of park experiences, I know that was the next section you want to transition into. And just thinking of of music and park experiences and and favorite ones. The first one that came to mind was actually there was this, um, pianist named Mike when I worked at Glacier Park Lodge and he would play in the dining room for a few hours um, while I was working there Um, and man he played a piano rendition of Pure Imagination Um, and he he would start playing it upon request from me I'd be at the host stand because I was a host for the restaurant at the time and the piano was right next to me I was like Mike can you please play Pure Imagination he's like yeah sure give me a couple songs and man if that if that song if the if just the sound of it, the lyrics too to an extent, but just like the the melody of that, if that doesn't encapsulate like a world of pure imagination is what Glacier feels like to me. And the national parks in general, you just go out into these place places and it's like, wow, is this even real? Um anyway, I kinda jumped the gun. You were gonna introduce yeah, no, this I mean, part, but I got really excited music, about it. Like, <laughs> I, I think I remember hearing um someone play before then on piano and it, you're right, it is just like a I mean, these places that we're in are a world of pure imagination. So, I mean, that fits perfectly. Um, but yeah, I mean, with these last remaining minutes here, um, it's either going to be either can be music related or, you know, just experiences that we've had in the parks in general that are funny, sad, happy, um, crazy. Um, either ones that we've had together or separately that we can share um, that we want to chat about. So why don't you uh, start us off and, you know, just share something that, um, you know, if you've experienced in the parks. Man, it's, it's so hard to decide. I'm, I'm thinking back through all four years of my seasonal life, whether it's in the parks or at Snow Mountain Ranch. I've just had so many wacky, crazy stories that never would have happened if I was just living in an apartment in the city. 
No, one of my favorite experiences with you, Dalton, was actually <laughs> um, playing You're Beautiful by James Blunt with you. I think we pulled it off so damn well. Our voices, our voices like harmonized really well on it. Um, and I just remember that being fun, even though it like we, we played other songs that got a way better reception, like a way bigger applause. I just remember really enjoying playing that song. Um, let's see. I mean, just the Hootenannies in general, man, especially that last one we played together was just so impactful. You know, thinking about it, um, it was when we'd have a random guest show up at the Hootenanny and just they just be like, hey, I'm an amazing musician. Let us play for you. And we had two nights where we had multiple guests be like, hey, we heard you're doing this music thing. Can we join you? And we were like, absolutely. And we just had this amazing, amazing show of music from multiple talented people who none of us knew each other whatsoever. And it just they just come in and just play this amazing music. Um, that's definitely one of my favorite memories from Glacier, at least. Um, especially, uh, particularly that one dude on the piano uh, who yes. just went absolutely bonkers with it. Like he just, he was just like a flurry of arpeggios that wouldn't stop. It was yeah, uh, that remember, dude yeah, was, was incredible. He, was, uh, he actually worked over at Rising Sun. He was trying to get a ride back to Rising Sun without taking the shuttle, and he's like, he put up a sign and said, we'll "Yes, play that's right, for free ride." And uh, dude. And then we come up to him and we're like, hey, man, you play for us at the Hoot Nanny. We'll do our damnedest to get you a ride out, ride, ride back to Rising Sun. And we did. Like, we put, you know, we introduced him. It was like, hey, this is, I do not remember his name for the life of me. Um, I feel awful about that now. But regardless, we're like, hey, this guy needs a ride back. Please give this wonderfully talented musician a ride back to Rising Sun if you're headed that way. By the end of the night, we had him yeah, a ride. I remember, I remember too, uh, you and I were sitting awesome. at the soundboard and like, He's still going, but like, uh, he looks over at us, like, wondering what he's supposed to do if he should go any longer. Still, his hands are going at the speed of sound, not even looking at the piano. And we're just like, dude, keep going, keep going. <laughs> and he's just like, he just keeps going at it. And he was just, oh man, like, what he did to that piano that day should have been a crime just because of like, oh man, it was just, it was insane. So I, I wonder Absolutely. if he's listening to this. I hope he does just because um, I'm sorry we forgot your name, but man, whoo. Talk about a uh, a talented musician right there. Yeah, that dude knew how to he know how to play the piano. That's for sure. Also, I I don't know if it was our last hoot nanny, but there was a dude who um uh, yep. joined me in playing "Down in the Valley" by the Head and the Heart, um, and that was one of the most fun I've had playing that song. Just at you know, since like you and I were both uh, acoustic guitarists, and so it's generally just us, our acoustic guitar and our voice. And so just to have that extra musician behind me playing like the, the parts of the song I'm never able to play was a really cool experience. Yeah. yeah. Non, non musically related um, was our uh, backpacking trip to uh, Mount or or up Brown pass to hole in the wall. Um, You know, uh, for those of you listening and are interested in hiking in glacier, um, one of the coolest campsites in the entire park and that I've ever been to in general is called hole in the wall. And it's, um, on the, it's, it's in between Boulder pass. Um, Brown pass and, uh, what was the other Boulder pass? That's right. Um, and you can, you could get to it from a few different parts in the, 
and the park. I'll let you guys kind of look at a map on your own and figure that out. But Dalton and I and a few other friends ended up um, doing this uh, backpacking trip from uh, Bowman Lake to Kintla Lake, or, or it was the other it was way the around. Other Bowman to was it the other way around? Yeah, Bowman and Kintla. Um, definitely one of the harder things I've done up there with the Grand Canyon, just based off of its distance and also due to weird permit stuff with Glacier National Park and how they handle permits, we actually had to hike six extra miles than we needed to, um, to do the actual route. So we ended up doing a roughly like 40 miles in about two days. Um, but that, that campsite was just absolutely gorgeous, just nestled up in, up in between those two passes basically on this little pole in a mountain, essentially. And uh, you, I think you'll only hear outdoorsy people talk Dude, about this. Oh but, man, God, that pit was... toilet was something else. You'll never take a pit poo in your too. life. Like, it is never a will. advanced pit toilet, if there ever is one. Um, I mean, I'm sure there, there has to be a way you can look this up. But, like, it's basically, like, I, I don't know if I want to go into the details, but, like, just, just know that it's advanced. And the view from that pit toilet is, you know, unparalleled so if you get a chance to go up there and get a permit to that spot because it's super popular so trying to get a permit over there um and also like that side of the park is uh the more difficult to access just because it's like to get to the bowman or kindle area you're driving down a dirt road for like um about an hour and you better have like yeah over in that um so it's hour to get to but if you can get up there to hole in the wall do it uh, but yeah that i was hoping we would touch on that and bring bug spray. Oh my gosh, bring bug spray. That part of the park is particularly lush. And uh, you, 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 especially during the summer, um, you're going to want uh, like long sleeves and pants because there's like you're hiking through plants as tall as you. It's, it's, a, it's a nice alpine rainforest up there. And you're going to get bitten to death and uh, covered in, in plants. But yeah, one of the most amazing experiences. I remember when we finally got up to Brown Pass, um, <laughs> I, I almost cried out of relief that I wasn't hiking at like a freaking 70 degree angle anymore right. um, or upwards. So, okay, that was the opposite. So like a 15 degree angle. <laughs> I felt like it. Um, and uh, I, I almost cried tears of joy. And then all that bear grass up there. Yeah. That was that that was a sight to behold um and then the actual bear up there was kind of fun um for everybody listening i just want to let you guys know that it has been tested one out of one times if you <laughs> yell slash sing the song all star by smash mouth it'll probably scare a bear away they don't like that song they're like dude why are you singing this you need to stop this sucks we're over smash mouth now i'm reminded of that weird guy in the swamp and they'll run away. <laughs> Tested one out of one time, hundred oh, yeah, percent of the time works. Touch on that, but, uh, and like in all seriousness, disclaimer: don't don't actually try that. It was just a, a spot of luck for us that we decided to sing "All Star" by Smash Mouth, and the bear just happened to go away. Bring your bear spray. Yeah, we 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 had a uh, yeah. Bring bear spray. We we had a large group of people, so it wasn't really a problem for us. A more intense bear encounter we had the second day of yeah. that though was i had actually stumbled into a bear I, I i can i can quite literally say i stumbled upon a bear it was the second day three of us um had continued along a route the rest of us 
um, had accidentally gone the other way, um, which ended up being a really good thing. But regardless, um, we were heading around Kitla Lake um, and we were like halfway around it. I was, I was not doing well. I didn't have good shoes for the hike. I had decent equipment, but my backpack was really messing with me. I had broken one of my hiking poles by accidentally <laughs> slipping and landing on it. I was not having a good time. And I like stumbled over this rock and like I catch myself. I didn't fall down, but I look up and all of a sudden there's like a, a bear. bear. Yeah. I, I didn't know whether it was a grizzly or a black bear. I didn't know it was a black bear. Yeah, it was pretty small, but I just look up and like, you know, maybe like 10 to 15 yards in front of me was this bear. I was like, whoa. So I, I you know, I backed up behind you. And, you know, we did all the standard things you're supposed to do when you see a bear. You start talking really loudly at it. Get your bear spray out. And you back up slowly. And it just ambled off into the woods, luckily. But that was like, oh, man, just like like tripping. And then looking, like catching myself, looking up. And suddenly there's just like a bear looking at me like, what's up? That was quite the experience. I tell that story to people that you stumbled upon a bear because it's, it's literally just what happened. And um... I, I love the fact that I could say those words word for word. Right, and be yeah. 100% literal about it. Um, that actually my, makes me happy. One of my other it really does. <laughs> trip. I mean, obviously, like, it was it was a brutal trip. Like, just the logistics of it and, you know, me, you, and our other friend, Lauren Jones, um, ended up going the uh, the intended route that we already planned, but the others had circled back and ended up going the wrong way, which going the wrong way was shorter, but the way we went uh, was 25 miles long, uh, which we were just, we were calling, we were cooking it. And then I remember getting to, um, I, I mean, we were only a couple miles from the end, from the finish, from the end of the trailhead. Yeah, we we're hike, hiking yeah, around then, a lake, uh, which was we start going to be uphill flat. again. And Eli's getting frustrated that's going uphill. And like you know, I've I've been in crappy situations before, like doing rinse, rinse, around the Grand Canyon. Not fun. That's challenging. Um, you know, endurance events that I've done. You know, so I, I've been through my fair share of challenges. So, like, there are those times where, like, you know, I know how to remain calm or just know, like, okay, I've been through this kind of thing before. I can do this. So, like, I was the po- trying to be the positive one out of the group. And uh, we're, we took a break on this little hill um, that, like Eli said, we thought was going to be flat. And, you know, I'm just like, guys, like, don't worry. Like, we're almost there. Like, you guys are doing great. You got this. And Eli <laughs> looks dead at me. He's like, I'm sick of your positivity, Dalton. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. i was just i was i was uh i wasn't i i knew for a fact i just wasn't going to be in a good place until i got to that car and i was like (laughs) if anything i need anger or something to fuel me right now like this is not a healthy way of dealing with this and i understand it and the positivity in any other situation would have been super grateful but at that moment i needed something else to fuel me like i was like I was like diving into my rage of my feet are in so much pain right yeah, now. I need to get to this freaking that's car. My, that's one of my favorite Eli. Uh, moments. Was like, that was, I'm sick that of was... positivity. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, I broke Eli. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but now that was that's definitely one of the highlights. Of trip, regardless of how brutal it was and how like beat up we were, it was just so much fun. Um, Well, I love how, like, when we talk about these trips, you know, after the fact, like, and, and yeah. during the fact, like, they're they're kind of awful. It's type two fun in the most type two way it can get. But there's such fond memories 
And that's how it kind of makes me want to go back and do it again. It's like when I think about doing rim to rim to rim, I'm like, God, why would I ever want to do that again? But part of me is just like, no, let's see if I can do it again. Like, let's let's send it. Like, I don't know. I have such fond memories from them. Well, at the same time, suffered immensely during them. I remember not only on that trip did I did I experience the most majestic pit <laughs> toilet. I experienced the worst pit toilet I'd ever been in my life. It was that little closet of a toilet on the north. No, on the uh, on the uh, 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 it's it's what, what is it? Uh, northeast yeah, northern, side the, the of Kitla Lake, of Kitla and it was like I think it was the Kitla Lake campground. One of those two. Yeah, yeah, no, it was the Kitla Lake campground. It was this tiny little closet that had not been maintenance in a long time. There was no light that could get in there, so I turned on my flashlight. I was just surrounded by spiders, and I did my best to just get my business done and get out of there without disrupting any of them. That was that was a very uncomfortable time, but I remember yep. being so like exhausted. I did not care that much. Normally, spiders they really freak me out. I'll see a tiny little spider in my wall, and I'll be like, "Oh man, I I gotta kill that ASAP." Like I I don't like little I don't like spiders. They scare the crap out of me. But in that moment, I was so freaking exhausted. I just like looked at these spiders. I'm like, man, don't yeah, mess with me, and the, I won't mess with you. I'm just trying to do my business like, here. It, it'll it'll break you. It will take you to places you've never been. You'll see sites you've never seen. But yeah, it's um, you know, I want to say what happens in the backcountry stays in the backcountry. But like, you know, you remember that stuff forever. So <laughs> at least I know I will. But um, but yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, Eli, I think that pretty much wraps Absolutely. it up for this episode, dude. It was it was awesome just to chat with you. I mean, I miss playing music with you, talking music with you. So this was awesome to do. Um, yeah, likewise, man. Uh, definitely, that's been one of the things I've missed the most this uh, winter. Despite that, I have had a couple people to play music with, but you've been one of my all-time favorite people to play music with. Yeah, man. And, uh, I mean, I'll definitely be missing we'll that this summer a whole lot. Soon. I mean, that's the sucky part about, you know, seasonal life. There's people everywhere that you want to see, but, you know, there's not enough time in the world to see them. But, um, but, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll still definitely keep been sweet. That's for sure. Um, I mean, I, good, good luck to you too as you keep looking for options for, you know, your upcoming season for employment. I, I have no doubt you'll at least find something and I hope you do. So I'll be um, hoping for you there. But, um, other than that, like I said, man, thank you so much. Um, let's still keep in touch, and it was great to hear from you, bud. I love you. Yeah, love you too, man. Absolutely my pleasure to be on the podcast. Super excited for um, episodes you got coming out in the future. Also, quick plug for me, check out my Facebook page, The Park Project. Um, I have an album uploaded with my friend Liriel Eve. Um, called uh, The Send-Off. And uh, it's something I recorded the uh, spring before I went to Glacier for the first time. Um, so y'all check that out. The yeah, man, project. yeah, everybody go check and, out that uh, page. Yeah, it's thanks awesome again for having me. Project. It's an awesome uh, you know, idea, and I really, I really look forward to hearing some more stuff from in the future. So, um, so yeah, so that's it for this episode. Um, Eli, once again, thank you, buddy. I love you. All right, so that was my buddy Eli. It was so awesome just to catch up with him and relive our musical experiences and passion together um, that we got to share. 
in such beautiful places and um, that's what this podcast is all about is just sharing those experiences in the wonderful places that we've worked in in the national parks and um, like I said I do apologize for the ending there of the lag in the conversation and the delay just from the audio so uh, I apologize for that but thank you guys so much for tuning in today and listening in and just taking time out of your day to um, hear some conversation and like I said, this is also just part one of a little part two-part series that I'm doing on music in the parks. Next week, I'll have someone on, uh, hopefully, if I can get them lined up to chat about uh, musical experiences as well. Um, someone else that I've shared music in the parks with, and I can't wait to get his perspective on uh, this particular topic and their time in the parks. So I can't wait to share that with you guys. But until then, I will see you next time on the Parkies Podcast.